0: Welcome to Demond Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Damon, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here cast. My next guest is an award-winning fiction writer, poet, and editor. She was recently honored as a 2020 World Fantasy Finalist in the Special Award Professional category for her contributions to the genre. Her short story, Love Hangover, will appear in the upcoming anthology, Slay, Stories of the Vampire Noir. Please welcome Cherie Renee Thomas. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, thank you and welcome. I appreciate you you taking time to talk to a perfect stranger.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We have a connection. Did you know that?
1: No, I didn't know that.
0: We have a special connection.
1: Who? My, what? When?
0: You're from <laughs> you. You live in Memphis, correct? I do. My family moved down there in '92. All my immediate family and a couple of nieces and nephews now uh, live in Memphis, and they've been down there since then. So,
1: oh I, wow! Yes. <laughs> so you're like hometown family lovely lovely (laughs) yes
0: yes so it is
1: a beautiful beautiful day here in memphis right now
0: one of my favorite authors writes pulp and he had talked about how growing up there were no black people until he found charles saunders art rest in peace and morrow and he realized hey black people write pulp that's awesome and i've discovered over doing some of these interviews how important it is that we see ourselves i never really thought about it as a kid and it really didn't dawn on me until I got older and how it affected me and how it affects my children now because my daughter said, you know, all the time says, oh, she looks like me. Like, I never realized how important this was. There is power in fantasy, especially in stories that urge us to face the impossible.
1: That was me. <laughs> that was me.
0: Can you elaborate? That was me. Can you elaborate on that a little bit for me?
1: Just the idea that, like, some of our first, Stories, of course, you know, in ancient times were told probably around a fire. The stories are the combination of the wisdom that we've found in living and also the hopes that we have for our children that, that come after us or their communities that emerge from our, from our roots and bones. And so stories are important. We pass down generational knowledge and how we, whether that don't eat that berry will poison you. <laughs> or stay away from this cave, there are, you know, beasts there, to, you know, this is the way, this is the path over. This is how you get to the other side. This is where you'll be safe. These are the people who, who are part of the line that help you be on the earth. You know, this is how you do this thing. This is how you do this dance, the story. So if so much of the world is about storytelling and so much of our mission and the political backgrounds and how we build nations and everything is also about narratives and stories, then if you never see yourself reflected in the storytelling, if you never see yourself as part of that line, it does something to you. It makes your world potentially smaller because you don't necessarily see you being reinforced in that, that long ancient art of storytelling, which is so much a part of almost everything we do. You turn it on the television and there are a million stories telling you to buy this thing, right? Or to, you know, take part in this action or this service. Everything is about storytelling. So, yeah, you know, representation is important, even more so in the realm of the imagination, where it's just critical to your existence on the planet to be able to see yourself in other conditions, in other ways, in other paths, in other entities. You need that to solve problems. You need that to reflect, you know, make meaning out of the world. You need to be able to imagine. Um, we, know, we recognize it in children. We sort of kind of stump it out of us a little bit as we are coming of age and tell you, you're, you're an adult now. But so much of our relationships also are rooted in our ability to imagine things better and to make them better and to work and make it better. Yes, your little girl was was me and my little girls that are now young women now. We need to see ourselves. Boys need to see themselves, everyone in between, everyone beyond. You need to have representation to reaffirm that humanity in you. I'm thinking about the children's books that I saw, the few children's books that had black people in them, Nikki Grimes and Lucille Clifton, uh, works by Sonia Sanchez, and Books that have you know Virginia Hamilton, Walter D. Byers, and even the illustrations by Leo and Diane Dillon, they made a point of making sure that we were a part of those beautiful illustrations. I can look back and see myself with my brothers. You know, I can go on and on about that, so I won't. But <laughs> reading Octavia Butler's Kindred took the light in my mind as well, because at that point, a field that I had been reading as a kid, kind of moved in and out of as a teen, I kind of stopped because I didn't see a lot of representation. in um, And then I started reading only black books, particularly black women's books. But when I was in college, Professor assigned Kindred to us, and I realized it was written by a black woman, this fantasy novel that involved time travel and the history of slavery in America. It just did something to me. And it totally changed my whole path and what I could imagine for myself.
0: All right. Are you ready to answer the six questions? Oh yeah. Question number one. When did you know you wanted to be a writer?
1: When I was a kid, I wanted to be a writer because I loved all the stories that my grandparents would tell us and their neighbors. They would come and tell us, that would give us chills they would scare the living daylights out of us and then some of the stories <laughs> some of them were like scary ghost stories from the country right others were like scary ghost stories or not ghost stories you know real stories of history that they experienced that scared the life out of us too but also made us think kind of differently about the world and I was always given books by my mom and my dad so I just put the two together I wanted to write you know, work that other people would read, but that would make people think and feel the way the stories that I had been told would make people think and feel. So it was just a combination. So I was writing on the backs of bills, an envelopes. <laughs> so I was lucky they would give me like a little tablet, a little blank notebook and I would write in there, you know, I was doing all the things as a kid. So I just think that was a, a gift that I had early that I enjoyed. And it's also something I could do by myself with very little money. It didn't require a, a big budget. It was perfect for me.
0: Was it more of a straight line for you and you just knew what you were going to do and you did it? Or was there some detours along the way?
1: No, it wasn't a straight line. It's like, it wasn't something that I thought I would do as a career necessarily because I'm coming from a working class family. My dad was in the Air Force. Both of my parents worked for the post office. and My mom retired from the post office. So they were civil servants. My whole thing was that the lesson I got was that if you're going to have this ability or have these skills, you need to have a practical career where you won't be poor. (laughs) And so writing was not the thing that occurred to me. So I thought I actually was going to have a career in the sciences. It was the labs that cured me of that. (laughs) I, I was like, girl, please, you are not going to be sitting up in the lab for the rest of your life. No, you're not going to do that. So, yeah, it was it's something I was always going to be a reader. I was going to be a writer and doing it on the side, but I thought I would be ha- having a completely different career. And you know, then I was winning contests and stuff as a young person. I was always in the arts. I wrote like a, what is it? What was it called? Living Color. Remember Living Color? I did a homemade Clown skit for our, you know, the Honor Society. That was a lot of fun. We did all kinds of stuff. So that was, arts was always a part of the thing. And I'm in Memphis where the arts is key. We're everywhere, you know, in every genre you can think of. But it wasn't until college when I had taken a nonfiction class. I think it was one of the few English classes I actually took because I had tested out and I wanted to, you know, study history and anthropology. So I was doing most of those classes. Took a class and I wrote an essay. The professor said, hey, I, I don't understand why you're not writing for the newspaper I don't understand why you're not an English major. You're going to take this essay, you're publishing it, and you're going to, do, you're, you're going to be on the newspaper staff. And I was like, huh, what? <laughs> and, you know, it kind of reordered some things in my mind. So that old seed that I always had became something that really bloomed in my spirit, I guess, at that time. That maybe I didn't have to be a doctor or, or a lawyer. Maybe I could actually have a good life doing art.
0: Question number two. What do you wish you had known when you first started out?
1: (laughs) I wish I had known that I would have to do, like, a dog and pony show just to get people to read books. (laughs) Oh, wow. Like, uh, (laughs) I wish I had known that you would need ring lights and microphones and... and all these other things that are, you know, that I never dreamed up. Let's put it like this. For me, reading Edgar Allan Poe, Ray Bradbury, Alice Walker and everything, I'm thinking that, you know, the writer's life, I'm, and I was still kind of enamored with the writer in a, you know, in, a, in a little room, in a little garret in a, an alcove or something, a room with a view. that you write? Pencil, lead on the page. And then it goes off to the publisher. At the time, I didn't really understand what publishing was. Later, I ended up working in a publishing company, but I didn't know the process of how it goes from manuscript to finished book. You know, it goes to someone magical who reworks it and a team of people makes it this beautiful book. And then a person goes to a bookshelf in a library or in a bookstore and they read it in private with themselves. And they have all the thoughts that I had when I was reading all the books that I loved. And even the books I didn't like so much. You have your own personal experience. Never occurred to me that so much of the writing life would be the publicity, public part of it. Because I didn't really go to a lot of book signings and things. You know, I like to say this because people forget that you have like your silent bottom line. The people who buy your books and you never see them, you know. So I was a part of that. And it just never occurred to me that the industry was so much about all these other things too. If that were the case, I might not have pursued it as much because I'm like the shy person that wants to be comfortable, will talk to you under a table, but not the person who always dreamed of being in front of a camera, being a celebrity. Like, I don't, that's not a dream of mine.
0: Question number three. What is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant?
1: I have a couple of favorite go-tos. So I would say a shrimp burrito with extra guacamole from Los Camales with a strawberry frozen daiquiri. Hello. Hey. And extra lime. <laughs> and if it's not that, then I would have the jumbo shrimp with extra sauce from so Ben. What, where is that? So ben is on Madison and Los... Well, they're both on... They're both on Madison. Different parts. But yeah, both on Madison Avenue in Memphis. Those are my go to places.
0: <laughs> I will have to abort- Can eat
1: barbecue every day.
0: <laughs> you can't?
1: No, you can't. They Aww. have to roll you down, down the Riverside Drive.
0: <laughs> well, that's fair. <laughs> Question. Number four, what are you curious about?
1: What am I curious about? That's the thing that I'm curious about. I don't want to find out about anytime soon. I'm curious about what happens next after we leave this mortal plane. I am curious about that, but I don't want to find out anytime soon. So there.
0: (laughs) Do you have any theories?
1: I have theories, but, you know, when you say stuff, you manifest it. So I'm just going to be quiet, sir. (laughs) I'm trying to live my best life now (laughs) I think we return to all that is beautiful in creation I think we return to the essence
0: question number five is there anything I should have asked but didn't
1: yeah you should have asked me about my debut fiction collection nine bar blues stories from an ancient future yeah i'm excited about it (laughs) i have been writing short stories and poetry and the occasional essay for a good while and editing a lot of wonderful amazing writers i have two other um really cool hybrid collections hybrid in the sense that they're multi-genre they're short stories and poetry because that's just how my brain works but this is the first collection i've ever done that's all short fiction all mine in one place that you can enjoy and just
0: explore
1: different worlds. So Nine Bar Blues came out at the end of May. The pandemic pushed it back. It was supposed to come out in April. It's been great. It came out from Third Man Books. You can get it from Third Man Books or anywhere where books are sold. Get it on my website at com. It's a little something for everyone. Time traveling stories from the jubilee emancipation era i've got a quest story for people who like indiana jones type stuff or even like the new lovecraft country series that i've been obsessed with which by the way i'm not reading the book until i finish the series because i don't want any spoilers i've got all the themes throughout it are it's like different musical genres so if you like black music you're gonna have like if you like hip-hop there's a little bit of that stories that have some of that in it if you like house music then you would enjoy that blues funk soul all the themes all the teens as we say are kind of threaded in there even a little country but the stories are very different so it's science fiction fantasy a marvelous real or magical realism and some scary stuff because you know I have to do horror
0: how do you use hip-hop in your stories
1: oh Okay, so the character from Head Static is operating as a DJ. So people think that they are DJs, but they are something else. They're around at some of the most critical moments in Black music creation. And they have a very long lifespan, so we'll just put it like that. Ah. So they're in the middle of the scene, they're in the scene. My story for Slaves, um, Love Hangover, is set in the the amazing nightclub scenes of the nineteen seventies in the disco era.
0: Very cool. Music seems to inform all of your writing. Is that the case or am I just did I just extrapolate too much?
1: Not all of the writing, but all of the writing in nine bar blues for sure. <laughs> and the character that's in Love Hangover is connected to the characters in head static. <laughs>
0: Question number six. If you could create a new holiday, what would it commemorate?
1: That's such a great question. Let me think. It might be a holiday for, for the unsung heroes among us, and each person will get to decide who and what that means. So it could be a person that is in your community doing amazing work, you know, it's not going to be the one that's always going to be pointed to or looked at. Or it could be someone in your past, in your family who is no longer with us. So it's like a combination Memorial Day, but also like a celebrate your everyday heroes day. And, and they just to remind us all of what it means to be good humans, good people
0: on the earth. If I snapped my fingers and this became a national holiday tomorrow, not the actual celebration of it, but the, it, it got ratified tomorrow, who would be the first person you would honor?
1: Who would be the first person I would honor? Oh, wow. Well, that person is no longer with us. (laughs) It would probably be a person that I knew of as Peaches. Peaches is a person who was possibly trans before we were having uh, public conversations about what that meant. I grew up as a little girl hearing, first of all, I remember seeing Peaches, Peaches came and got the children in the neighborhood to come and do outdoor events. We did, uh, when my mom was a little girl, she was part of the majorette. When I was a kid, Peaches did block parties with my grandfather and the other block leaders, elders who looked after the streets of North Memphis. We did maypole festivals, which I saw again in like the Wicker Man and was like, hey, wait a minute, we're doing this in Memphis. <laughs> I don't understand the connection. I had to go back and do research. But Peaches was an important, wonderful spirit in the community that always cared about children, made sure that we were safe, felt seen, visible, loved, and helped us out of a lot of trouble because she took the time to do that and to create those spaces for us. Even before we had access to the community centers and things like that, she would go and find us and make sure that we were occupied in a wonderful way. So I would celebrate Peaches. And I'm sure a lot of other Memphians have encountered or have their own stories about peaches. And that's a person I hadn't thought about in a long time, and I realized I missed them. So thank you for that wonderful question.
0: Hock your wares. Sell your stuff. (laughs) Do your marketing.
1: Do my marketing. Oh yeah. yeah. Do your do your
0: dog <laughs> Do your dog and pony show.
1: <laughs> dog and Pony and Circus Show. This is a circus Soleil. This is the Afro Soul show. Go to visit me at www S H E R E E. R E N E E Thomas. My dad loved the E's. <laughs> um or follow me on um, Twitter at, at Block black pot mojo. Um, and I'm on IG as well under Shuri Renee Thomas. So, Hey, yep.
0: Black, black pot mojo. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you.
1: Demond. This was wonderful. Thank you. And I'm glad we have a Memphis connection. You got to holler when you get back to the city. <laughs>
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, take another two minutes, log on to Apple Podcasts or wherever you downloaded this, leave a five star rating and a review. It would help the show grow. Remember, you can contact me at Demondoes, all one word, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have a question or suggestion, you can also contact me at Demondoes, once again, all one word, at gmail.com. Next week's guest is one of the biggest reasons for last month's interviews. She's an educator, writer, and has a connection with my family, believe it or not. I'll be talking with the editor and driving force behind the anthology, Slay, Stories of the Vampire Noir, Nicole Givens Kurtz. So until next time, see you, hear it, speak it.